All right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Jay Bevitt. This is my wife, Sherry. And we'll be continuing our Bible study tonight on the true nature of God by Andrew Womack. And uh, we'll be in Chapter 8 tonight, <coughs> God's New Wine. And there's a section heading of How Much Sin is Too Much. And then, uh, just so you know, once we're done with this Bible study, which we're almost done, uh, we're going to be starting a new Bible study, Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. And uh, this is, has to do with being God's Word, uh, talking about the parable of the sower. Uh, it's kind of the, the theme of that book. At the same point in time, uh, just so you know, uh, we have all of our Bible studies from all of our uh, lessons on Sunday morning, as well as our Bible studies. They're archived on our, our, our website, <coughs> excuse me, Lighthouse Discipleship uh, Center, as well as, actually, uh, let me rephrase that, LighthouseDiscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. So anyway, uh, also on our website, you can donate to support our ministry that is going worldwide. So anyway, uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump in our Bible study tonight. Sherry will be our reader. She'll narrate for us, and then uh, we'll talk about it. So again, we're in Chapter 8. If you have your books, if you're following with us in that way, uh, God's New Wine, we're under the section heading, How Much Sin is Too Much? Sin is deadly even if you just rationalize it by saying, well, everybody lives this way. You may not feel as guilty as I did, but sin is still going to destroy you and send you to hell unless you give your whole life to Jesus and have an intimate relationship with God. Even though I seem to be living a holy life by most people's standards, I was under such guilt and condemnation that I had no freedom to love God or enter into intimate relationship with him. I was at arm's length with him, and he seemed very impersonal to me. I knew Jesus was my Savior, and I was born again, but I didn't have an intimate relationship with the Father. I couldn't as long as I was under that much guilt and condemnation. It was impossible. I find this is where most Christians are today, and the reason is because of the Old Testament concept of God. People haven't renewed their minds, and they think God is out to get them. They believe the first time they sin, God is not going to bless them or have anything to do with them. If you are born again and spirit-filled, you probably don't believe he's going to send you to hell, but more than likely you believe he won't give you what you ask for. You probably feel he's going to let you stew in your juices because you feel you deserve it. Most of us believe we're going to get what we deserve from God, except for hell, but that's not the nature of God. When people are ignorant of this fact, they're continually trying to perform and make enough effort to say, God, look what I've done. Isn't it enough? It'll never be enough. We will never do enough. If we could do enough to earn the blessing of God, Jesus would not have needed to come and die for us. Now, that does not mean we should live in sin and say, praise God, we just get our blessings through what Jesus has done. We'll just go live in sin because it doesn't matter. No! A lack of holiness will affect your relationship with the devil. Satan will dominate us if we live unholy lives, and that will ultimately affect our ability to fellowship with God. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. John 10.10 10. Don't give the devil place in your life. If you're living in sin, you're defiling your conscience and hardening your heart toward God. But God's love is still consistent towards you regardless of what you've done. 
Now that concept may cause you to say, I just can't believe that, brother. I can't believe God loves me with sin in my life. Well, let me ask this. What is sin? Sin is not only the things that we've done that are wrong, but James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If we use the same definition of sin that the Bible gives, then every last one of us is short of practicing the revelation God has given us. There isn't one person who has prayed without ceasing, who has sought first the kingdom of God at all times, who is devoted to serving God only in every moment, and who has loved other people as him or herself. Not one person is walking perfectly in every area of life. If someone isn't walking perfectly, then that's living in sin. And if God can't fellowship with anyone who has sin in his or her life, then God doesn't have anybody to fellowship with. If God can't use anyone who's a dirty vessel, then God doesn't have anyone to use. In my spirit, I'm totally clean, but in my flesh, I'm still making mistakes. I am not perfect, and neither are you. Some say, I just don't believe God could love people with sin in their lives. Those people have started categorizing sin. They are really saying, now, these sins are bad enough to get you in wrong stand with God, but these other sins are kind of on the borderline. And then some of these are little white sins that all of us do, but you can get by with those. That's not God's system at all. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Folks, that's what the Bible says. That's the way God sees it. I have never said a cuss word in all my life, but I'm guilty of blasphemy because God's law is a perfect standard. The law is like a big plate glass window running across the entire front of an auditorium. I could shoot a BB through it, push a piano through it, or drive a truck through it. The size of the object doesn't matter. If I break the window, it's broken. And to replace it, the whole thing has to be replaced. God's standard is perfection. I either have to be perfect or else I need a savior who is perfect for me. So even though I have broken the law of God in what may be a small way compared to some other people, I have totally broken the law of God. God's law is perfection. There are hundreds of different commandments, but we have to keep them all to be perfect. If we have made any mistakes at all, we're in trouble with God unless we have the Savior. And if we have the Savior, then we're going to get in through his mercy and through what Jesus did for us, not through what we did. If that's so, then why should we even try to live holy lives? Because Satan will take advantage if we open the door to him, even a crack. All Satan needs is 1% to get a toehold in our lives, and that toehold can cut off our intimacy with God. When we sin and give place to the devil, that's exactly what happens. We give God's place in our lives to the devil. So as soon as we realize it, we just need to repent, restore our intimacy with God, and boot the devil out. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. James 4, 7, and 8. This is the new wine, submitting ourselves to God, drawing near to Him, and then in His strength and the confidence of His unconditional love, our hands are cleansed 
and our hearts are purified of sin. Notice that James referred to believers as sinners. Many of us will admit to being double-minded from time to time, but don't dare call us sinners. And what's God's answer in his word? Submit to him, draw near to him, and then we can be cleansed and purified and get rid of the devil. The Old Testament law was to give us such a strict standard that it finally dawned on our lightning fast minds that we just couldn't do it. We needed a savior. This is true before we were saved and after we were saved. Jesus saved us from eternal death and hell the day we were born again, but he saves us from sin, sickness, poverty, and all the attacks of Satan every day of our lives on earth. Religion says that if we do these things and keep the law, then God will bless us. Religion wants us to quit trusting in God and look to ourselves. We need to quit trusting in our own efforts and performing to earn the blessings of God. Begin depending on and resting in what Jesus has done instead of what we've done. When we do this, we're putting the new wine in a new wineskin. All right, thanks, Gary. There's a lot in here. It's just really deep. I hope you are catching a lot what Andrew is saying. And, you know, it could take me a long time to recap uh, everything he's saying here. But, you know, sin is still dangerous. And we're going to get into this in the next chapter where we're talking about sin consciousness and, and Christ God consciousness. But, you know, us, we have to stop relating to ourselves. If we're born again, if we're born again, we're, we're, we're our new creation in Christ Jesus. And we need to stop looking through life through the lens of the law, through the lens of the sin nature. And we need to look at life through the lens of Christ. Because he's our propitiation. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And, you know, we, uh, we're either in Christ or we're still in Adam. There's no other option. You will stand before Christ one day. And I don't believe you're going to be asked, what did you do about this sin or that sin or this sin? He's going to ask, what did you do with Jesus? You're either in Jesus, either he was your substitute, either he died for you, or you died for yourself. <laughs> and, you know, it, sin is, we're not, we're not excusing sin. Sin is still dangerous. What we are saying is, <coughs> Jesus became your sin and crucified it. He became it. He became your sin. He became your penalty. God doesn't relate to us on the basis of our Actions, he relates to us on the basis of whether we receive Jesus or not. And now sin is still dangerous. If, you know, we can still, I mean, James calls us believers still sinners. <laughs> you know, um, that might be a little hard to swallow, you know, but uh, sin is still dangerous. Sin will still give an end run to Satan to do things in your life. And that's not, that's not healthy, that's not good. And it's when you understand grace, <coughs> when you understand the gospel, when you understand who we are in Christ, that is the power to enable you not to sin. I had struggles left and right before I understood this. And I still struggle from time to time. I did some things this week that I'm not proud of. And, and I, you know, but at the same point in time, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we need to 
We need to come to Christ. And we, if we, we cannot fix ourselves. If you, if you are basing your doctrine, your theology, your entire life, your entire eternity, based on what you do, and not what Jesus did, to me that's Antichrist. <laughs> Antichristo, the word in the Greek means against or instead of Christ. If you're basing your salvation on what you do and not on what Jesus did, then in one sense you're saying, I don't need a Savior. I'm my own Savior. <coughs> that, that, that's not right. That's wrong. That's dangerous. That's, that's, who, I mean, you, you can't save yourself. You can't even stop sinning on your own. You need God, Jesus, and you to help you to live a, a sinless life. God only measures, sin, sin. Whether you said one little white lie, or you said a, a major lie, <laughs> it's still sin. Sin, sin. You know? And I know some people will, 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 will debate about a white lie. But, you know, sin, sin. And uh, like, I like how Andrew brings the picture. If you get a big plain glass window, probably the biggest ones we have in this house is behind here is that we have a slight glass door. If you showed a BB gun and it, 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 made the, it shattered the whole thing, one little hole can shatter the whole thing. One little hole and the whole window needs to be replaced. And so uh, if you break one little bit of it, you broke the whole thing. And so, uh, you know, it, it's sin, uh, uh, sin. God grades on, the, on, the, on perfection. God expects perfection. And you will never arrive. Even if you live a sinless life. Even if you never committed one more sin. And sin is not just what you don't do wrong. Sin is also what you don't do right. Anyone, anything that's not a faith of sin. And, and I have never met anyone who's always operating in faith. 100% of the time without fail. I have never met one person that does that. I see a lot of people who operate faith a lot better than I do. But I, I, I have never seen someone who operates in faith perfectly. And, but even if you did, let's just say, even if you did <coughs> live perfectly, if you're not born again, you're still an Adam. And your nature is sin. You know, the word sin is used 47 times in the book of Romans. And 45 of those times, it's a noun. A noun is not an action. A noun is a person, place, or thing. A noun is an object. 45 out of the 47 times when Paul uses the word sin in the book of Romans, he's talking about our nature. And that nature has been crucified with Christ. We're either, either we have the nature of Christ or we have the nature of Adam. We're either born again or we're not. We're we're either born of incorruptible seed, according to James 1.23, or we're still born of corruptible seed. No disrespect to my natural father, but his seed is corruptible. But Jesus' seed is incorruptible. I am born again of incorruptible seed. There is no corruption. There is no sin in that seed. My spirit nature is saved. My flesh still has the problems. But my spirit nature is born again. I know some people have a hard time understanding that, you know. And so, and that's really where our teaching comes in on spirit, soul, and body comes in. And so, and that's, that's a very important topic. And actually, uh, that's, Andrew bases all of his teachings on that teaching. 
uh, all of his teachings stem from knowing, understanding spirits on body. We're not excusing sin. We're not saying sin's okay. We're not saying that you shouldn't try to live a holy, godly life. What we are, what we probably maybe argue on, is how you do that. Are you doing that in your own strength? Or are you doing that because of who you are in Christ? Are you do? Are you trusting God? Are you trusting Christ? Or are you trusting you? Jeremiah says, uh, God says in Jeremiah, that curses a man who trusts, tr who trusts in flesh for his strength. If you are trusting in your own flesh to be godly and holy, you're cursed. According to God's word in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 6. But in Jeremiah 17, uh, 7 through 8, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. The, the just live by his faith, not in you. For it's not, for I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's faith in his grace. <coughs> it's not faith in you. You will. There's not one person on this planet who won't fail. Who won't fail you. Who won't fail me. There's not a pastor. There's not a minister that won't fail. I'm not, I'm not excusing failure. But what I'm saying is, you can't trust you to fix it. I had some issues in my teenage years and in my young adult years. And I kept trying to change it in my own strength. It did not work. In fact, it got worse. Well, I was trusting me. I can't change me. Only the Spirit of God can change me. And so, uh, only the nature of God can change me. But when I finally got a revelation on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus... My life changed. And I, I got free from so many of those issues. And so uh, the, the, the Bible says awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. It says awake to your righteousness. Get a revelation of who you are. And that will enable you not to sin. We have seen people set free from immoral lifestyles, homosexuality, uh, uh, drug, I mean, hardcore drug abuse. Uh, we, we've seen people set free when they understood righteousness. When they understood who they... That didn't enable them to go and sin. That set them free. We want people to be set free from the root. Not on the surface. We don't want to just pluck the fruit. If you just pluck the fruit off a tree, you didn't change that, that tree's nature. <laughs> you have to change the tree from the inside out. If you don't like, you know, the... The, the seed, the, the seed is where the, the, that, that fruit comes from. And mo a lot of religion is just fruit picking. <coughs> We're not just, the gospel is not about behavior modification. The gospel is about life transformation. Transforming from the inside out. Yes, we want to change behaviors. Yes, we want to change uh, attitudes. But from the inside out, not the outside in. And, uh, and so there's a big difference there. Uh, you know, we, we want genuine change, not superficial change. Superficial, if you don't change it from the inside, the, the nature's still the same. <laughs> but the, you know, and so, um, and, you know, and it's not just, I'm, it's not just restraint. I'm not saying that if you have a weakness in a certain area that you might, you shouldn't put some roadblocks so you don't go down that road. I think that's wisdom. You know, if you have a problem with liquor, then, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do to, to stay away from that. And, you know, keep yourself accountable. But don't trust yourself alone. Trust Christ. 
You know, I, I've known people who, who had addictions, like smoking and different things, and once they got a hold of God and they got a revelation of God, they tried to smoke and they just couldn't do it anymore because they lost the urge. They just, the urge went away. They, they got changed from the inside out. Not them just trying to manage their flesh. You cannot control your flesh. Your flesh is selfish. We've been selfish since we were two and one. We've been selfish all, and the older we get, the more selfish we get. I have never met one human who's not selfish in one way or another. And how do you how do you conquer that? How do you overcome the flesh? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't control the flesh by the flesh. You control the flesh by walking in the spirit. And, and so, you know, if you and if you're trying to control the flesh on your own without the, you know, yes, it's the spirit, but God also gave us the body of Christ to spur us on to good deeds. If you're trying to control your flesh on your own, you're on dangerous ground. I mean, out in the wild, out in the African safaris, the the, the, the lions and whatnot, they will they will find the weakest in the herd. They will find the isolated animal out of the herd, and that's the one they attack. Isolation is deadly. Isolation is dangerous. We have seen so many people, I can probably put in the hundreds now, uh, through the years that we've been in ministry, who have isolated themselves and they have gone down a road that is just dangerous. But God, we are the body of Christ. No one's an island. So anyway, I'm getting to another yeah, topic. But, you know, it's just uh, anything that's not a faith sin. You know, and so, uh, anyway, it's just, uh, there's a lot I can think back about. You anything you want to add, you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate this section that Andrew is uh, teaching about and talking about. Uh, in fact, I, I think he did a really great job ex explaining this. And, you know, sin is sin. You know, I, I know uh, Dave explained, you know, what if someone told a white lie versus a, a big fat lie. Well, a lie is a lie and a lie is sin. And the point isn't to classify whether it is a big sin, little sin, great sin, whatever sin you can slide by with. Sin is sin. God is not soft on sin. He doesn't like sin. Sin separated us from God. But God made a way through Jesus Christ to take all of our sin onto himself, onto the cross, and crucified it. And for anyone to say, well, it's okay to sin because God forgave me, that's belittling what Jesus did on the cross. Sin is bad. It destroys your relationship with God. It doesn't destroy God's view of you. He still loves you. He has a very good opinion of you. He loved you when you were a sinner. He, he loved you when you were saved. He loves you. He, because of Jesus, he overlooks sin to love you no matter what. But when we sin, we shy away from God. We turn away from God. We hide from God. We're embarrassed from God. We think, you know, what if he's going to get me? Or some people have the, the thing, the, the, the thought from the enemy that, oh my gosh, I sinned so much that I committed the most unpardonable sin, and I'm not saved. And then they're just stewing and hurt and grieved over this, and they miss out on so much joy because this because Satan has twisted that how much God loves them and He saved them. 
Paul and however many times he brought out, is it okay to sin? God forbid. Even uh, Andrew, I, I loved how he, he said it. Um, I didn't have it marked, but he basically was saying, is it okay to sin? No. It's, it's almost like if you've seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding and the, the, the guy is asking uh, the dad for the daughter's hand in marriage and the dad's like, no! That's, that's what we're saying. Is it okay to sin? No, it is not. Sin also destroys uh, your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with anyone in your life. It destroys relationship. It can destroy your health. Um, it it can destroy a lot of things. It opens the door to to more sin, to sickness, to to poverty and lack and and curse and a lot of different things. And so, is God soft on sin? No. Is he is he ready to forgive? Yes. He he forgave with his son Jesus Christ. But sin is sin, no matter how you look at it, it is not okay to sin, but for the grace of God, he, he, it's kind of like God made a loophole in the law, so to speak. No, we are not to sin. God heavily is against sin, but it's almost like he says, and I'm not a, a lawyer or legal person, so I don't know if it's like a code to sell on a will or what, a footnote or whatever, it's almost like he's saying, footnote, but if you sin, I have forgiven you. Come back to me. Draw close to me, and I will help you. I love you anyways, my child. I will wash you clean. I mean, Andrew brought out that, that verse, um, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, it almost sounds like we are to cleanse our hands. Well, newsflash, we cannot cleanse ourselves. Dave just uh, basically talked about it. We cannot. That's religion talking. We cannot make ourselves holy or righteous. But in Philippians, uh, and I'll bring it out, and then hopefully Dave will add more to it. Uh, in Philippians 2, in verses 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does it say period, stop, end of sentence? No, it keeps going. There's a semicolon in the New King James. I haven't had a chance to look up other translations, but it's not a period. It, Paul continues, and he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, some of us might be saying, well, wait, it says we're to work it out, but then it says God works it out. So where's the, so it's, it's almost like, well, which way is it? Well, in 2 Corinthians, if, if you read chapter 5, which Dave and I have talked about a lot, on one hand, God did the reconciling, but then he goes on to say, that we are to reconcile, and we use bank accounts for those of us in the United States that, you know, the, the bank or in the instance I'm talking about, God's already reconciled the account. 
to make it uh, perfect and clear and and uh, I don't know what the, the accounting term is, but he's already done it. But we ourselves in our own uh, accounts, we need to make sure that, that our account matches God's account. God's already reconciled it. It's already perfect and in order. But we need to make sure that our account matches his. So yes, there's reconciling on both sides. Just like on a bank statement, the bank says this, but my checkbook says this. I need to reconcile to make sure it, it matches. Well, in Philippians, when Paul is saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God's the one who saved us, and it's his work in us, and it's our relationship with him so that we can understand what what's God is, is doing in us. But understanding righteousness, understanding the love of God, once we walk in that love and we await to, to righteousness and sin not, all of a sudden what's on the outside, our actions, our words, match what's on the inside. I think you're doing a good job. I don't think I need to follow up with much of that. You know, uh, Again, we, I teach on Philippians 2, 13 and 14. I, mean, I think it's 12 or 13 anyway. Uh, multiple times, you know. I've, I've heard all my life, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and they never finish the thought. Well, if you're going to quote somebody, quote everything they said, not just part of it. Um, and he says, Lord God is not working you to will and do it with pleasure. Uh, you know, God doesn't have anyone qualified working for him yet. And so, uh, we, we need a Savior, and we have one. We have Jesus. And Jesus... Jesus, and that's one thing we're going to learn here in Zephyrus chain before we get to this. You know, Jesus will help you live holier accidentally than you ever tried to do it on purpose. And that sounds like impossible. What are you talking? What do you mean I can live holier accidentally than I, than I could on purpose? If you keep trying to do it in your own strength, you will mess up. But if you let God live his life in you and through you, God who is in you will never mess up. He's perfect. And the problem is we don't always rely on him. We mean to. We might have the intention to. We have every motivation to. But we get sidetracked very easily. We're kind of like the dog. Squirrel! You know? <laughs> we get distracted so easily. Yeah. It just takes one person to cut us off on the freeway and we're in a bad mood like that. Some of us. You know, that's not, it just take, and it, we are, we are so sidetracked so easily. Are you going to comment on that? No, I, I think that that's great. But, you know, I, I had, I, I've had a relationship with God for a very long time. Both Dave and I were saved when, when we were uh, young. But it, it wasn't until I started living and breathing God's word um, when I started just basically inhaling his word really having a relationship with him uh, you know being in his word talking to him praying to him uh, listening to Bible classes when we went to Karis and we were in the word 
a four days, four days, well, five if you count the Saturday events, five days a week for like four hours each time, we were just totally soaking in the word and this effortless change that I'm really excited we're, we're gonna be doing next. Dave and I didn't have to force ourselves to behave better or be more holy. It just, the relationship with God bore fruit. When we abide in him, fruit happens. And I found myself more joyful Accidentally, I wasn't trying to be joyful on my own. It just happened because I was in God's Word so much. I had a lot more patience. Uh, I was able to handle the sandpaper people uh, a lot better. Uh, I'm not perfect. Uh, people can still rub me wrong. But by having that relationship with God be first place in my life, I've come to be able to have the same compassion Jesus did on people to see where these people are coming from. Not that they were right or wrong, but a relationship with God, when he's in you, as Dave said, working in and through us, that's where the holiness comes from. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes Hey, listen to Dave's message this morning. He, he talked about the fruit of the Spirit uh coming out of us and being able to, to let that fruit come out this morning, which I thought was really uh, apropos. I, I didn't think it uh, would be, I would be talking about it with this Bible study. But that's God working us out. His spirit is in us. God is dwelling in us. And when we have a relationship with him, that fruit comes out. And it's not forcing it. It's not just me like, squeezing oh my gosh fruit come out just pop out of my elbow that's not what the apple tree does the apple tree doesn't like groan and squeeze and out pops an apple it's just because of the the life that's in the the tree that's the sap the, the that's flowing through it there's life in that and fruit comes out of that now you just said uh, john 15 apart from me you can't do anything Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Not even live a holy life. <laughs> you can't live a, you can't do anything. You can't even draw to Christ without the Holy Spirit drawing you to him. You can't do anything without Christ. And so, uh, anyway, we can, we can pick it back a lot more on that. But let's go ahead and jump to chapter 9, and we'll see how far we get. I don't know if we'll, we probably won't finish tonight, uh, but we'll at least make a dent. Uh, the title of this chapter is The Power and Joy and God consciousness. So anyway, go ahead, Jay. In the Old Testament, we saw the wrath and judgment of God on people because of their disobedience. He was trying to show them that unless they were perfect, they didn't deserve things from him. Of course, nobody could be perfect under the Old Covenant because their hearts had not been transformed. So that is why God had them offer animal sacrifices and give material offerings. But the book of Hebrews outlines very clearly that we have access to a sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. Jesus made one sacrifice for sins for all time. He has cleansed us so that we no longer need to have any more consciousness of sin. The Old Testament law gave us knowledge of sin, and this caused mankind's biggest problem after the fall, self-centeredness. 
These consume those consumed with keeping the law are obsessed with their sin, which means they're always focusing on themselves. Believers like that are always self-conscious. They're conscious of whether they have sinned or not sinned. They're very sensitive to how guilty they are and how far short they've fallen. Self-centeredness will devastate believers in their relationship with God. I believe what hinders most of us from being the witnesses for Jesus we should be is that we are so aware of how far away we are from perfection. We feel guilty trying to talk to others about the Lord. We're self-conscious, constantly thinking of what these people are going to think of us. The way to become bold is to be so God-conscious that we forget about ourselves. We can lose self-consciousness in God. We can get to where we don't care about ourselves and what other people think. We can be totally God-centered. I like this stuff. This is great. And just, uh, you know, I can tell me. I, 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 I get a good... Uh, let me give my my tongue, catch my tongue. I grew up in a good Christian home. Sherry already uh, spoke to us that. I will say that many, many, many times. Grew up in good churches, whatnot, you know. But I still had this mentality, and I don't know where I got this from. Whether it's a teaching of me or what, and I'm not finger pointing. That's not my point. That's not what I'm after. I'm putting the finger on me if anybody else. It's just. Uh, I just, I just, I realized in, in the last uh, 10 years or so that I was very self-centered or self-conscious because I, I and, and because of that, I always wanted to have a good relationship with God. That concept was not foreign to me, but I never knew how I could ever have a, a relationship with God if I'm constantly in sin. I mean, I, I knew the scriptures. Anything that's not a faith of sin, he who does not do. I mean, I'm constantly trying to, to to measure up. And there was never one time in most of my uh, young adolescence or whatever, or young childhood, that I ever thought I measured up. I always thought I didn't measure up. And I wasn't a bad kid. <laughs> I wasn't in drugs and gangs and and whatnot. I had my faults. I had my many mischiefs, and I did. I had my share of problems. But then that goes with the last lesson we just talked about. Since then, <laughs> you know, I wasn't some gangster, some big rebellious kid. I had some rebellious times. I had some attitude adjustments, you know. But uh, <coughs> and I had some some uh, uh, rough seasons. Uh, but at the same point in time, you know. We, it's dangerous to compare ourselves, you know. Um, but I still knew what I, I still was far from some saint, in my own opinion. I was, I, I, I just, because I never thought I measured up, I was like, how can I even have a relationship with God? And I always came to the conclusion, this is just an endless cause. There is no hope. And I, I was miserable. And how am I going to draw close to God when I thought he didn't like me? And there's a lot of people who don't even think God even likes them because of their behaviors, their thoughts, different things. And that is a, that, I've been there. <laughs> and, and some of my own problems I had uh, that I talked about earlier, one of my triggers was insecurity. And the more insecure I felt, the more it triggered my, some of my addictions and whatnot. And so the more I felt, and, and the more I sinned, the more insecure I became. And so it just triggered it all the more. 
And so, it was just this endless hamster wheel of, I sin, I feel bad, so God doesn't like me, so I, I, I'm insecure, and my crutch was to go back into, to, into to my addiction. And it was just a hamster wheel. But when I finally got a revelation, God loves me, because he died for me, and he, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that set me free, that I can have a relationship with God, and that relationship with God enabled me not to sin. <laughs> And so uh, I got off that track. I got off that hamster wheel. And instead of being focused on me, I began to get focused on God and Christ in me. I got my focus off me and got my focus on him. And, and, and you know, there's some other verses that help me too. Uh, no consciousness of sin. And it says in Hebrews 10 that he doesn't remember our sins anymore. And I thought, if God's not remembering my sins anymore... Why am I doing it? Why am I remembering something God says he's not going to remember? Who made me bigger than God? <laughs> you know, that, that, something's just wrong with that picture. And so, and you know, does God okay with sin? No, I'm sure he God forbid. God hates sin. He hated so much he died for it. He hated so much he crucified it. The full wrath of God. The full wrath. I mean, we see parts of wrath in the Old Testament, but that wasn't the full wrath. The full wrath of God went on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus became sin. That's how much God hates sin. The full wrath of God came on Jesus. Now that Jesus paid for my sins, that Jesus said it was finished, the Father said in Revelation that it was done, then why is he judging me for the same sin Jesus did? That's double jeopardy. That would mean God is unjust, not to me, even though that might be true. He's unjust to Jesus. If God judges me for the sin that Jesus paid for, he's telling his own son, you, you died for nothing. I poured out all my wrath on you for nothing. That is, just, that is not, that is antichrist. That is wrong. And I don't, and the, and the secret to overcoming if you do have a problem, the secret is not being self-conscious. The secret is being Christ conscious and God conscious. <coughs> I'm not talking about sweeping a sin under some carpet and ignoring it. I'm talking about, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a sickness, take the antidote to get rid of that. The antidote to sin is Jesus. The antidote to to to, to sin is not the flesh. That will just fuel. That will just make the the flesh even more. <coughs> sinful. The, the antidote to your deliverance from sin, from bad lifestyles, from bad thinking, bad behaviors, is being conscious of Jesus. You try being conscious with Jesus all day long, and then you try sinning, it's just not going to happen. If your focus is on Jesus all day long, how are you going to sin when you're focused on Him? It won't work. And so, you know, I just imagine Jesus going, where I get, where I stumble is when I get my eyes off Jesus. And we all do that. I get my eyes in the flesh. I'm, sometimes I, and I get tired, and sometimes I, you know, and, I, and, and my flesh gets aroused by something. You know, uh, this week some things happened that were my pet peeves, and it just got me aroused, and it made my flesh react. That's not right. You know, but at the same point in time, uh, you know, 
in that moment, I didn't rely. I wasn't relying on God. I was relying on my own flesh. I don't like this. My flesh added on to the pity party, <laughs> and that's wrong. I'm being facetious of it now, but it, you know it's not pretty where we have our pity parties, and we've all had them. We've all had pity parties. Whether we share that pity party with somebody else, or we even just share that pity party in our own closet, it's never pretty. And uh, we usually, it's just like, I never had a hangover, but it's like having this pity party hangover. <laughs> and uh, it's, you just, you, you know, and uh, it's just never pretty. And so, uh, but how do we fix it? How do we get off this track? Get your eyes off yourself. And get your eyes on your Savior, on your Helper, on your God. And He will change you from the inside out. Don't be sin conscious. Be God conscious. Stop being conscious of sin. For sin conscious will just strengthen the sin. But it will feed it. Be Jesus Christ. Be Christ conscious. Be God conscious. I can phrase a lot of different ways. Be, as we're going to get into eventually, be the Word of God conscious. Be, uh, walk in the Spirit, and His Word is Spirit and life, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How do you control the flesh? Get in the Spirit. How do you get in the Spirit? His Word, the body of Christ, pray, <coughs> worship, sing in tongues, worship, speak in tongues. You know, uh, don't try to control the flesh by the flesh. It will not work. That's like putting gasoline on a fire to put it out. It won't work. You put water on it. If it's a grease fire, you put baking soda or just cover We had a, a grease fire in our last house uh, on the stove. You know, I just had to put the lid on it and cover it. You know, kill that oxygen. You know, uh, but at the same point in time, you don't. You, if you add water to a grease fire, it will ignite. <laughs> you just don't do that. But, and so, so uh, being sin conscious, having a pity party about it, isn't going to fix it. We have to pull up our big old boys and pants and take the thumb out of our mouth and, and run to Jesus. And I, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that we, uh, maturity, Christian maturity, is uh, coming to Jesus and how we can fix it. And there might be some things that we need to go make right. There might be some apologies we need to go make. There might be some things that we need to do to, to, to at least resolve our end of it. But the root matter, God's going to fix. The, the source, the, where the source of the problem came. Okay? We all have pet peeves. We all have things. We all have things that rub us wrong. Sherry talked about sandpaper people. That's just a name we heard from one of our teachers at Karis Bible College. Where we all have people who rub us wrong. I mean, we all had them in school. Sometimes it's just their personality. Sometimes it's just their, I don't know how they treat us or make us feel. And those are the, some of the hardest people. And we, there's another term that we use, uh, extra grace required people. And, and sometimes there's just some people in, in our lives, it seems like there's extra grace required to get along with this person, you know? But where does that grace come from? God, not you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, uh, you know? And so it's not you. You are not the source. But God in you is the source. And be God conscious. Don't be sin, self, flesh conscious.
Yeah, and you know, I, I agree with what Dave said, and I get Andrew is really focusing on self-centeredness and uh, and just having such a guilty conscience about everything. But, but there's also another side of it, and I don't know yet if Andrew will get into it, but just as much as there's a uh, sin consciousness where you're always like, oh my gosh, I sinned, and, and just dwelling on that, but there can also be another way off base thing and being religious conscious or self-conscious in I'm, I'm doing it. I'm following the law. I'm the one reading the word. I'm the one praying for five hours a day. You know, I'm the one that's holy. When you're just focused on your works, that's just as bad as someone saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm just horrible. I'm just awful. Both ways are wrong. But God conscious, which I, I like how Dave was explaining it, when we're so focused on God, everything just comes out right, so to speak. You know, I have heard testimony of testimony after testimony, not just of, you know, people um, realizing that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and they turn from their, their, their sin or whatever was going on in them, but any testimony of anyone getting a blessing, whether it be healing, uh, whether it be um, a job or something they've prayed over about or sought the Lord on, when every single time they have been God conscious. Um, there's a, a gentleman, Mike Hesh, I think I've seen his Hush. Hush. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. But he always comes to mind because I, I really liked how he brought it out. Uh, he needed healing uh, for something that was just really, really bad. And he believed in healing. He believed God healed, but he wasn't seeing the manifestation. And, and hopefully you'll, you'll um, uh, hear his testimony uh, soon. But he, he, he went to the church. He went to to people and ask for prayer. He, he sought the Lord and just this this healing issue that he had just keep, it seemed to be getting worse. And he would have people say, well, it's sin in your life or you're not doing this right or you're not doing this right. And he finally got so sick and tired of it. He's like, I know God heals. God's word says he heals. So he started, instead of focusing on the sickness and focusing on what he may or may not do, be doing right or his sin or whatever, he started focusing on God and God's word. And he was so, it was like a horse with blinders on. All he saw, all he would allow in his mind and in his heart and out of his mouth were God's word. God says this. God is. God is. God is. And he was healed. Something that in the natural, it, it was a visible sickness uh, issue. He actually had a tumor on the outside of the skin. Uh, it was so big that he actually had to put a half a bra on. Uh, I'm trying to be clear. It was like it just oozing. I don't, I, I don't want to go into it. It was gross and getting bigger. Um, 
And by all natural, the world standpoint, you know, he's a goner. But again, God conscious, he was so focused, so single-minded focused on God and God's word that that thing just, my words, just melted away. And he is living, walking, breathing testimony. There's no uh, effect of it. There's nothing left of it. He is sharing God's word. He is ministering. And all the other testimonies I've heard of people are just like, no, I'm going to be God-focused. God's word says this. I'm not going to be focused on my sickness. I'm not going to be focused on my sin. I'm not going to be focused on whatever. I'm going to focus on God and God's word. And yes, there are times when the Holy Spirit will convict us of something. And we're not talking about that. That is, that is something different. If we have an issue that we need to deal with, we can trust the Holy Spirit to bring it to light. I'm not saying otherwise because the Holy Spirit and we're to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just like we're to have a relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son but what we're talking about now is if we're self-centered or even uh, uh, religious centered where it's all about us and what we're doing right both ways are wrong because they're they're both not God centered. Anyway, a lot of good stuff. Uh, there was something I was going to piggyback on a minute ago, but I, I, I it slipped my mind now. But uh, you know, it's just this is just powerful. You know, I mean, I, I think this was part of it. I don't know this was it, but it was, there were some situations uh, we had going on this week, and, and uh, you know, it got us a little emotional. And so uh, one evening, I just put on worship music for a couple hours. You know, uh, because in the flesh we were just, we were, it was a busy week and something took place. And we were just spiritually tired, we were emotionally tired, and we didn't even feel like eating dinner. You know, we weren't depressed, but we were just wiped out. And we just, you know, the, the spiritual music, the worship music, got our focus back on God and off the problem and off ourselves and off our emotions. And back on God. We're not trying to skip on some rug, but we're getting our focus back on God. You know, and I even did it the next day where, you know, uh, you know, I just played worship music almost all day. And sometimes we just, there's some tools that God has given us to help us. I'm not trusting it by itself, but sometimes we just need to shut everything down and worship. Sometimes we just need to get His presence, you know, to, to find ourselves again. <laughs> You know, to get the, to get, you know, the, the life can be a whirlwind real quick, and we're we're facing a very important week in our in the life of our country this week. You know, I don't know what the future holds and all. I know God's going to take care of us, but I don't know the specifics of how everything's going to play out in the in the days and weeks and months to come, and even years if the Lord tarries. But uh, I do know I can trust God. I do know who we are him, and I need the Holy Spirit. I need uh, the worship. I need the Word of God. I need the body of Christ. The body of Christ may look different. We may even end up one day being an underground church, but I need the body of Christ. And there's still ways to, to do it. The early church did. 
China did it for years. Uh, and it, it will still work. And, you know, with uh, China, the underground church in China, he thrived. Uh, I'm not saying it was ideal, and I'm not saying it's anything we're signing up for, or, but at the same point in time, you know, church may look, things can look different in the world in the days to come, in these end times, because the end times are coming, whether this is the end of the end, or we're, we're getting, we know we're getting closer, and this, they, things are obviously changing. I mean, it, it seems to be, but, uh, you know, I don't know what's still down the pipeline. I don't know, because uh, it's not all about America. It's, it, this is a world thing going on. Uh, it seems like America is a focus from us. But if, and, and even the end of America, that, if that were to be, is not, uh, not, it's not everything. There's still, there's still a whole other world out there. Uh, and that, anyway, I'm, I don't want to get into all the politics and everything. But my point is we need to focus on Jesus. And sometimes when things get chaotic, sometimes when things get really crazy, it can be harder to get focused. That's where we need worship. And, we get, need the, and even if we don't have the instruments and the, the technology, we can still worship a cappella. You might not like your own voice, but God loves it. He created it. And, uh, and, you know, you can pray in the Spirit, you can sing in the Spirit, you can get in the Word, you know, you can reach out to, a, a, hopefully, a Christian friend or whatnot. You know, there's times where Jeremiah was alone, there was times John was alone in the island of Patmos, there's times Daniel was alone and alone in the lion's den. There might be times you were alone, but take advantage of what you got when you got it, you know. Corey Timboom was able to to have her time with God in, in a consecration camp when she was being abused, uh, uh, you know, uh, hated uh, and whatnot. But, you know, we can trust God. And that's, you know, uh, and stop. You know, and we're, good, we're out of time. You know, when we talk about sin conscious, you can be sin conscious about your own sins. You can also be sin conscious about someone else's sins. But you just can't let it go. <laughs> you just want to, you know, they did me wrong. They're gonna pay. I mean, you just keep bringing it up over and over and over and over again, and you just won't let it rest. That's also sin conscious. Yeah, I, it makes me think of my grandma. I loved her dearly, and she was so faithful to the Lord. Uh, I mean, she was committed every morning. She she was in the Bible, having devotions. She prayed for anybody in there, but as she could. Uh, but she would come to me when she would hear someone uh, living in sin, whatever it was, and she'd be like, so-and-so's living in sin. They're living with their boyfriend. Uh, they're doing drugs, whatever it was. And every single time, I'm like, you know, I'm Grandma, I'm sorry for this person, and I'm going to pray for them, but why are we focused on their sin? I kept telling her the same thing that Dave just said a moment ago. If God doesn't look at our sin, if he keeps our, forgets our sin as far as the east is from the west, why are we so conscious of someone's sin? And telling everyone else about it. And tell, telling everyone else about it. Sin is sin. Sin is bad. Sin is wrong. But for us to be like, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. No. We're all sinners. <laughs> And the fact that you're gossiping, you just became a theater saying just by gossiping. So you, and what you're doing just as bad as what everyone else did. Because one sin is sin, you know. And I actually, you know, uh, we're not excusing sin. 
that's the same point in time we're trying to give how do we get free from it yes and so uh yeah, being conscious of it that's not good but that's bondage that's not that's not deliverance and so there's no freedom in that lord we worship you for there's a lot to be said about this and lord i i i i pray that we as we go throughout this week for some of us have been glued to the news for weeks for months and we can't even be in one sense america conscious we need to be christ conscious i'm not saying we can't listen the news and can't be involved what's going on but lord even in the midst of all that help us to be christ conscious you are our hope you are our savior you are delivered lord i pray i know this is the last and this is a very important week i do pray for our president he's still our president in these last few days a few hours Lord, I don't know what's behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on. That's not my place. But my place is, according to your word, to pray for my president and pray for our leaders. And we do pray for America. And we do pray for our leaders. We do pray for justice. We do pray for all this treason and everything that's taken place to be uh, addressed and dealt with. We do pray for the country. We do pray that uh, these things would be found out and these things would be addressed. We do pray that. Hallelujah, Lord. And I'm just going to end speaking praying in tongues just for a minute, okay? Abashigi and Abakori and Abasi, Abakori and Abashigi and Abakori and Abakika Katapo, Akaka Shiki and Abakoto, Konamakashi. I feel like God is speaking peace, but I also felt like he said he's going to remove the covers. Sorry. Yes, I, I, I felt the interpretation is that God was speaking peace, but that he's removing the covers whatever that might be, but that he is mighty to save. We need to be remembered, reminded of that. And I don't know, this is the covers, but the Bible does say that your sins will find you out. And there's nothing that's hidden that will not be revealed. I don't know about the covers. But this whole conspiracy, this whole thing has been a shroud. And it's been, a, it's been evil. And I don't know if that's it, but uh, at some point in time, uh, you know, let the Lord minister to you with that word if that ministers to you. Anyway, God bless you guys. God bless America. And we'll see you on Wednesday at uh, 7 p.m. as we talk about the Holy Spirit. So, all right. God bless.